Amen. I really wanted to stand here and say, turn to Romans chapter 10. A few things I want to correct, but I'm not going to do that. It would only be fair. Oh, did I preach 10? <laughs> okay, well, first thing to go is the mind. What can I say? It is a, a joy to be here. It's kind of, uh, I told Todd earlier, I, I hope that I got all my emotion out last night because uh, it's, it's been an emotional weekend uh, to be a part of this. And you guys just outdid yourselves in, in celebration last night and the gifts that you gave us. Of course, the, the study is the, uh, just an unspeakable gift. I mean, it's so great and has been already utilized, and I'm so thankful for it. I didn't get to use it much this weekend in preparation for today because it also became Henry's bedroom while they were here this weekend, and so uh, I didn't get to go down when he was sleeping, but I did sneak in between times. But i got to be honest with you, perhaps the most special gift that I got was this. Um, there's no monetary amount that could match this. And I'm, I'm saying that without having read a single one, okay? I went home last night, and Red and I talked, and I said, I'm not touching that to read it until after tomorrow. Because I, I, don't, I just couldn't do it. I, 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 you can bet this afternoon that will be my reading uh, uh, matter as I sit around and after the kids are all scattered and gone back to Texas and Tennessee and Florida and we'll be able to, to think on that a little bit. But I appreciate that so, so much. That was just unbelievable. And then uh, giving me the title of Pastor Emeritus, that, that meant a lot. It really did. I I always, all through my ministry, I always said, that's the silliest thing to do for a pastor. I had pastor emeritus in every church I was in just about, and I said, that's just ridiculous. That's just, he's gone. Why are we doing and, and now I know why it was so special to those men in the past, and it just uh, touched my heart deeply. It really did. But so much about that. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. It's a fairly lengthy passage, but I want to read it to you and then make some comments on it because it's a very important passage, I think. Now, there are parts of this that aren't applicable, I realize, and, and in reality, this is, a message, this is a, a message of Paul to the Ephesian elders, the, the pastors in the church at Ephesus, but it has application to the whole body. I, I will be preaching to Todd and Ricky and Michael and, and Matthew and, and others today in one sense, but, but it's for all of us because the principle is here about the gospel. And, and we need to remember that and need to understand that. So hear the word of the Lord as I read, starting in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, now stop right there, why in the world... Paul administered for three years in Ephesus. Why in the world didn't he just go back to Ephesus where the elders were and share with them there and, and, and give this message to the elders there in Ephesus so maybe others in the church at Ephesus could have heard what he was saying to them? Well, it's a very simple thing. Paul got ran out of town, basically, because of preaching the gospel. I'm always amazed today in our culture when they say, you know, the church just needs to be a calming factor 
in the culture. The, the church needs to be something that, that, that just keeps people together and, and don't separate people, don't divide people. Well, when Paul went to Ephesus, spent three years there and started preaching the gospel, it caused a riot. It caused people to start crying out, oh, great is the goddess Armenus, Armenus. we worship her. She is the goddess of, of Ephesus. And, and they began to, to, to riot against the preaching of the gospel, mainly because when the gospel is preached, idols come tumbling down. Idols in your life and idols in the culture and idols in the world around us. And that's exactly what happened in Ephesus. The, the idols began to fall. And so the silversmiths and the other idol makers who made the physical idols said, wait a minute, we're, we're losing business. We're, our commerce is being affected. And if we don't get rid of this message of Paul, we're going we're gonna to find ourselves bankrupt and in real trouble financially. And so they rioted and they called the people against them. Now, understand this, they weren't dividing the culture between political parties. That's important. They, they weren't saying you need to stop listening to the governing authorities, you need to stop doing this, you need, to, you need to riot over this. They were saying, here is the gospel message, Jesus Christ, the Lord has come. The, the passage we meditated on that, that, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I delivered you what I received from the Lord, that he was, buried, he was crucified, buried, risen again, and he's coming again, all according to the scriptures. And that must be our message to Somerset and Pulaski County and beyond. That G the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message worthy for us to proclaim. The only message worthy. So, so he didn't go back to Ephesus because they had run him out of town. And, and they, I'm sure he somewhat feared for his life. And then he goes on. He starts his message to them or his speech to them. By the way, this is the only speech in the book of Acts that's directed to believers. Ever notice that? Every other message in the, every other speech in the book of Acts, every other sermon in the book of Acts is either in defense of the apostles, defending themselves before the authorities, or to unbelievers, such as at, uh, in Acts chapter 17. But listen to what he says. For you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, in public and in private, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, Except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Wow. I hope that's not true in this case, of this sermon today. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of all blood. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, elders, pastors, to care for the church of God, which you obtained with His own blood. 
I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping, on the part of, uh, much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of our Lord. The passage I want you to see here, I want us to concentrate on really ties in with the passage we meditated on before the sermon and also the passage that we heard during the hearing of the word out of first corinthians chapter one there there is an understanding here that god is in control that god is sovereign that god is ruling and even in the midst of riots and and catastrophe even though the cross of christ and the gospel of christ is a stumbling block to gentiles it was in paul's day it is in our day those who hear the pure gospel will either receive it or reject it They will either receive it with joy and say, praise be to God, he has redeemed me from my sin, or or, or they will say, I want no part of that. I want to be my own God. I want my own idols to reign. I want to be in charge of my own life. I don't want some Lord over me. Why, I broke out from under the shackles of, uh, of slavery. I don't want anybody lording over me or ruling my life, which the gospel message says must take place in the life of a believer. So, so the riots came, they ran him out of town, and, and now he calls these elders to him where he is resting before he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, where he's been teaching, where he's been preaching. But he says, I want you to understand several things. I want you to understand certain things about my ministry. Now, last Sunday, I heard one of the, honestly, one of the best messages on humility I've ever heard in my life in all my 50-some-odd years of being a believer. Uh, that Pastor Todd brought. It was, it was amazing. And then I find the Apostle Paul saying here, serving the Lord with all humility. To me, that's almost like saying to the Ephesian elders, you know, I'm really proud of my humility. And if you're proud of your humility, you don't have any, right? It's not what Paul is saying. Matter of fact, many commentators believe that the word that ought to be there instead of humility is the word humiliations. That, that you know that for these t- this whole time I was with you, The whole time I was there, I served the Lord in all humiliations with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. They didn't respect me. They didn't honor me. They didn't honor the message I brought. They wanted their idols, and so they did everything they could to to persecute me and try to destroy the message that I preached. He said, I didn't let that stop me. In our day, it's going to be very easy for the world to look at the church and say, you know, you're just, you're preaching an exclusive gospel. I, I was reading some blogs this past week from some more leftist uh, 
churches and leftist pastors who are saying, you know, it, it is sad that the church is refusing to become more like the world in acceptance of so many things. It's sad that the church can't get in line with where our culture is and where we want, where we want the church to be so they can tickle our ears and appease our hearts and, and excuse our sins and go right on along. Well, let me tell you something, folks. That is not the gospel. That is not the truth of the Word of God. That is not what was presented to Paul by Jesus in the wilderness, in the desert, when he was given the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came in the world, God in the flesh, to redeem a people to himself. It was interesting that last week, uh, Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research released their biannual, is it biannual or semiannual? Semiannual, I guess, every other year. Uh, state of theology, where they pool across the country, the state of theology, and I could give you all sorts of statistics. Today, I'm going to give you one. One of the questions they asked was this, or the, one of the statements they made to either agree or disagree on was, Jesus was God, excuse me, Jesus was a great teacher, but was not God. Jesus was a great teacher, but was not God. It did not surprise me that the general populace of the United States of America made the statement, agreed with that statement 51% of the time. A majority. Say, so yes, Jesus was a great teacher, a great moral guy. You know, he gave some great platitudes and teachings, but he was not God in the flesh. That really didn't surprise me. It really didn't distur what disturbs me because the message needs to be clearer, I suppose, in some ways to some people. They need to hear. But the thing that really disturbed me was when you broke it down into those who proclaimed to be evangelicals. And in the, in the, the populace that was surveyed among evangelicals, those self-described as evangelicals, when the statement was given to them, Jesus was a great teacher but not God, 30% agreed with that. Now, now, theoretically, those are people who sit in the pews every Sunday. Theoretically, those are those who are are hearing the Bible opened and something coming forth from it. I'm, I wonder many times if they're hearing what the Bible is saying or if they're hearing a, a, a kind of an extrapolation into the culture where we make the Bible say what we want to say about where we are today. I'm thankful to God that the elders, the pastors, and Grace Baptist Church are committed not to becoming more like the culture, but they're committed to proclaiming the truth of God. And that truth goes all the way back to Genesis and all the way to Revelation. It's not picking and choosing and saying, hey, I like this part, I don't like that part, I'll accept this part, I can't accept that part. But it's saying, I believe that God has revealed himself in his son Jesus Christ and in his word that we might know him. Paul said, my ministry was with tears, it was with trials, it was under humiliations. The Jews plotted against me, but I did not shrink. I like that term. I did not shrink. I didn't, I didn't coy back. I didn't, I didn't kind of hide behind something and just secretly give the message out. I did not shrink from declaring to you everything and anything that was profitable. Teaching you publicly in the synagogue as long as we could until they ran him out. And house to house, privately, declaring to you the truth 
of God's word. That is, that's what Paul said. I didn't, I didn't hold back anything that was profitable. Now you might say, well, did he deem some things in the word not profitable? No. Because right on down in, in verse, uh, verse 27, he says, For I did not shrink, that same word, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Everything that's profitable to you is everything that God has revealed. Everything that God has said is true is for your benefit, for your growth, for your understanding of the way the world really ought to be and what is really true and what is really right. And Paul said, I didn't shrink back from declaring that to you in every episode, publicly and privately, as long as I was with you. And in in implication, he's saying to the elders at Ephesus, you do the same. You don't shrink from it. You don't, you don't shy away from, from difficult doctrines. You don't shy away from the mysteries of Scripture. Friend, there are many mysteries in Scripture. There are many things that you and I will never be able to fully understand and fully explain, the Trinity being the most obvious. But we declare the Trinity that He is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all of eternity. There's the mystery of union with Christ that we have. I can't explain to you how Christ indwells us and lives within us. I can't give you a scientific formula. But I'll tell you what, I know that it's true because God has said it's true. I can't explain to you many things in a rational sort of way that you want to hear many times. But I can tell you that God has said it, and that settles it. God has said it, so it's true, and so it's there for your benefit, for your growth, for my growth. Paul's ministry was to proclaim and teach profitable things out of the Word, indeed the whole counsel of God. And then Paul talks about what he sees in the future. He says, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm committed to doing that. I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me there. I know the Jews are, are even more opposed to me there than they were in Ephesus, but I'm going there because God's telling me to go there. I'm going there in obedience to God. And he says, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. I don't count my life of any value or as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I'm not taking my eyes off that. And I don't want you to do that in Ephesus either, elders. And I don't want you to do that at Grace either, elders. I want you to keep your eyes fixed on proclaiming the glory of the grace of God. And as that passage that Pastor Michael read earlier, as, we, as, as the hearing of the word, as the Apostle Paul wrote there, let, no one who bo- uh, let, the, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Or as he said to the Galatians, I don't boast in anything except the cross of Christ. You know, the, the truth is, that's all we have, folks. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, the the gospel and the truth of of His salvation, the truth of His sanctification, the truth of His glorification in the believer's life, the truth of, of that which is yet to come, that's all we have to proclaim. The culture in which we live is temporal. The gospel of Jesus Christ 
is eternal. The, the things that we look at, and, and listen, you know me, you've known me for a long time. I'm somewhat of a political animal. I wanted to be in politics when I was younger, before God gave me some sense. And, uh, and, and so I've continued to follow it and continued to be involved in it. And, and, and I, I, I love the argumentation and I love the debate and I love the issues. Those things are foolishness compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm, I'm proclaiming the kingdom of God to you. I, I, I can't, behold, I, none of you are going to, you know, I, I know none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom. Caesar is not king. He's temporal king. He's political king. He's ruling and, and, and he does some things okay and some things he does bad. And, and yet that's not the kingdom we're concerned about. The kingdom we're concerned about is the kingdom of God. And we're to proclaim that kingdom that is higher than any other kingdom. Listen, it, it's ugly in the United States right now. It, it, it makes Ephesus maybe pale in comparison with the people fighting, not against the gospel, but against one another over temporal issues. And, and folks, I got news for you. It's going to get uglier starting tomorrow. Don't get in that fray. Don't lose sight of the fact that I don't care who replaces Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't care who is elected president. I don't care who is put in Congress. It's not exactly true. I do care. But, I, but what I'm saying is, no matter what, God's kingdom rules and reigns over all of that. And we're to be about the kingdom of God. Yeah, we're, we're citizens of the United States. We live here, and we're to be good citizens. But it's that kingdom that we're to give our lives to. It's that kingdom that Paul says, I, I just want to finish well. I want to finish the course. I want to, I want to finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. And, 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 and those who are elders here in this church, those who are pastors here, that, that's their goal. That's what must be their goal, to finish the course well. And not get tripped up like so many are getting tripped up today because they take their eyes off of the of the race and put them on the temporal things of this world and that cannot just be politics or things like that it can be personal pleasure Todd alluded to this last night and I'll allude to today if you pick up the newspaper so often there are people who have been elevated to spiritual leadership positions who are who are falling drastically because they took their eyes off the race. And they were more concerned with personal pleasure, personal wealth, personal glory than they were with the kingdom of God and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't do that, Paul says. I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, so don't you shrink, don't you shy away. Will people not like it at times? Yes. Even in the church. Well, people say, well, I don't believe that that way. That's fine. Keep preaching it anyway. If the Word of God says it. Now, that doesn't mean Todd stand in this pulpit or Michael stand in this pulpit or Matthew or Ricky or anybody else is infallible. But don't just say, I don't believe it because of, I always believe something else. 
get in the Word. Be Bereans. Search out the Word. And if you find that they're wrong, go to them in humility and in, in love and say, I just don't see that. Let's talk about this together. For the unity of the body. And then he gives that exhortation. You know, my last, not my last Sunday here, but my, the Sunday back in October when I announced my retirement, I, I preached on Psalm 130, having the Lord's Supper that day. And, and the psalm says, blessed are those who, brothers, how blessed are brothers who dwell in unity. And we just talked about the unity that we've known at Grace for 13 years almost now. And the beauty of that unity, almost 14 years now, excuse me, the, the time gets by when you're old. Uh, the, the beauty of the unity that we've experienced here. But we've experienced that unity not because we didn't disagree politically some. We've experienced that unity not because we, didn't, uh, we weren't sociologically different and, and economically different, because we are. We've experienced that unity because we paid attention to the whole counsel of God. And we said, this is our authority. This is our food. And we must focus on that. In verse 28, he starts that exhortation to the elders, but I want to expand that to all of you. Because Paul says there, be careful to pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you pastors to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. One of my favorite Puritan books is a book by Richard Baxter called The Reformed Pastor. Now, when we hear the word Reformed Pastor, you hear all sorts of theological implications that go along with that in our culture today. What what Baxter was thinking about. When Baxter wrote his book, The Reformed Pastor, he was, he was using the word Reformed kind of in a way of, of, of renewed the renewed pastor, or the revived pastor, as we might talk about it today. The pastor who gets his focus right in the gospel. And, and Baxter took that verse, verse 28, that says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And he, he translated it this way in, in the book, The Reformed Pastor. He said, Be careful, lest you unsay with your life what you say with your lips. Be careful that you don't live in such a way that everything you're proclaiming, whether you're a pastor and an elder or whether you're just an old ordinary Christian, which happens to be a saint of the living God, which happens to be a part of the body of Christ, which happens to be a part of the church, which Christ bought with His own blood. And that's a valuable purchase. Be careful. Look out. Be sure that you don't unsay with your life what you say with your lips. Because that means we live out the gospel where we work, where we play, where we live to the fullest extent. He said there are going to be wolves that are going to come. I think that little example I gave earlier from the 30% of the evangelicals saying Jesus is a great teacher, but he's not God, is an example that wolves are among us in the church. And, and grace will not be exempt from that. 
We, we think we can, we're, we're very well guarded, and, and we are very well guarded in so many ways by the pastors here. But, but we think, oh, well, that would never happen to us. We could never have a false teacher slip in and, and start sowing seeds of discord and sowing untruths and, and causing us to, to, to start doubting the Word of God. Folks, I think the, the greatest thing we need to realize is what Peter said, be careful when you, when you think you stand lest you fall. In all humility, we have to admit that we're, we're humans, and we're temptable. And, and if we don't keep our eyes focused, if we're not careful to keep our lives, it's not legalism, but careful to keep our lives in line with what God has called us to be, then we are susceptible, just like anyone, to falling. Wolves will come in. Some, even from among your own selves, will arise and speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. They'll, they'll start twisting Scripture just a little bit and making it sound so much more palatable. Listen, you see that every day. Oh, God wants you to be prosperous, and He does, folks. I want to tell you that today. God wants you to be prosperous. That doesn't mean He wants you to be rich. He wants you to prosper in grace. He wants you to prosper in your knowledge of Him. He wants you to prosper in your ministry to one another and your ministry outside these walls. He wants you to prosper in a great way that will extend the kingdom of God and glorify His name. But it doesn't mean you're going to be rich. It doesn't mean you're always going to be healthy. As some have taken that idea, prosperous, or taken the, the psalm. Psalm 37 says, you know, Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, if I just delight in the Lord, man, He's going to give me everything I ask for. Carefully twisting in order to pull people away from the truth of the living God. Paul says, watch out for those fierce wolves. But then he says, and I'll close with this. Well, he, he, at the end, I, I, I'm just going to go there first, and I'll come back to this. He said, when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them. And he prayed for them. And he prayed that God would continue the expansion of the gospel in Ephesus, which basically hated the gospel. And he said this. You know, he doesn't give his prayer. He doesn't say, you know, in many of Paul's letters, he, he tells you exactly what he's praying. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He, he just writes his prayer out, and, and those are very helpful. He doesn't really do that. They don't, Luke doesn't record that here. Luke is here with him because this is one of the, some of the we passages where Luke is writing and saying, we did this and we went there. But he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I commend you to God. And then he knelt down and he prayed with them. What did he pray? Well, I think he prayed what's in that previous paragraph. You know, don't covet silver and gold. Be built up in your inheritance among the sanctified. S pursue your sanctification under the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't don't desire and covet silver and gold or apparel. Don't, don't try to make a name for yourself and wealth for yourself, but focus on what is important, what is eternal. And that is the gift of God, the grace of God, the grace 
of the living God. Boy, I'm thankful to you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the men that God has given to lead you. You know, weeks after I announced my intended retirement for the summer, I, I came back to you and said, I think you ought to consider one man as your pastor. I only need a search team. And, and you did that. And I, I'm so grateful to God that you did that. And I never doubted for a moment it was the right decision under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Never doubted for a moment. And, and I hope you don't hear this wrong. But I've been blown away by the authority of the word that has come forth from this pulpit since May 31st. I, I've been blown away. I mean, I've been, I, when I couldn't be here, I'm watching it. And, and, and I'm just thankful. And I'm thankful for the things that, that, that Ricky and Michael and Matthew are doing as far as, I, I look back on something they're doing and say, dumb Haynes, why didn't you think of some of that stuff? But I think they were holding it back <laughs> so they could do it. Not really. But the, the discussion of the sermon on Tuesday afterwards that you can listen to and hear them make application, I, it's glorious. God is doing a work here that's going to exceed anything we have ever seen. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm thankful to God for that thankful for these men that this passage is clearly directed to and by implication and by application directed to you folks be careful be on guard for savage wolves who want to lie to you in the culture and inside the church be careful that you as a child of the living God don't unsay with your lives what you've said with your lips. Don't say Jesus is Lord and then live for yourself. Don't say Jesus is Lord and let the idols of this world rule your life. Because folks, Jesus is Lord. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for the gospel of your grace. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done in 13 years, and you, have almost 14 now, and you have done it. It's not to me or to Todd or to Michael or to Ricky or to Matthew or to Scott or anybody else that's served as an elder in this church, a pastor in this church. We, had, we just... We just kind of hung on for the ride and sought to follow you. Father, I thank you that what you've done in the past is going to be much greater in the future. Not because of them, but because of you leading them. Father, I thank you. Lord, help us say with our lives, what we say with our lips. Help us, Lord, to live in unity before a watching world. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that 
from a unified church, loving one another, caring for one another, honoring and glorifying you. And this is my prayer in Jesus' holy, holy, holy name. Amen. Receive the glory. Is that what we're talking about? Him receiving the glory? Let's stand together. Are they back? They're back. Well, they're always here. Keep forgetting that. Let's stand together and sing. Brother Todd, you need to pray with him. See him, he's here. I commend him to God and to God's word. Let's sing together. Thank you.